0: Welcome to the Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American sales director, and Sebastian Dennison, clinical compounding pharmacist.
1: Welcome, Compounding World. Welcome to the latest episode of a Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. This is Mike Delisio, and as always, I am joined with Sebastian Dennison. He said, Hey, everybody, how are you doing? We're back um, and really, really excited about this one. This is, um, this is an episode where we have a guest who's been with us for over nine years and has had the opportunity to appear on a mortar and pestle twice. um, Most notably last year when we were, I would say, deep into the inquiry of business knowledge and we we needed to learn a lot more about the business world and what was going on from a a macroeconomical point of view in, in the pharmacy space. And we were, we were very privileged to sit down with Brian Prescott. And Brian, um, welcome back. I, I, I feel like we're, we're gonna probably give you a small introduction, but having you back on providing additional business context to this podcast is always an amazing thing, but welcome back. Thank you guys. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Um, most notably, Brian, thinking about the, the reasons why you appeared last year and and really talking about things that were relevant to business owners and most notably pharmacy business owners. And we were talking about loans and how to access capital um, in a time where there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of anxiety um, and you're, you were really a guiding light to help out a lot of our, our members, a lot of the the listeners of this podcast to learn a lot more in terms of how to access that capital and and how to access loans and, and what was really on the table from a government point of view. I, I think today is gonna to be a really great opportunity to, to go back to what you do, um, a lot of your work history as well, and, and your relevance at our CPMS team and, and giving our listeners a bit better guidance in terms of what is CPMS and, and your primary role within that department and, and what it truly means as a business coach
0: yeah it's, uh last year was quite an exciting time um but that's it, it it's always an exciting time when you're a business owner right it, it, it if you don't get in you don't get into this business uh ownership without assess uh, accepting risk and uncertainty right so fortunately we had an opportunity to put uh to put a lot of our clients in a good position to uh to enhance their their cash status uh in in a time when they didn't think that uh that it might not always be there. So there were some, some programs out there that we were able to, to guide them. And i was very happy at the end of the year that uh, when, it, when they, all was said and done, that uh, all of our clients had taken advantage of all the opportunities that were offered. And it really kind of ended the, uh, the year very optimistically for a lot of them folks. So uh, thanks for, thanks for mentioning that again, because it was really exciting to help people through that. But uh, just kind of uh, remind people exactly what we do. I mean, we've been doing, uh, me and Bill have been doing this for the better part of a decade, um, or he has, and I've, I've been with him for at least five, six years now. Uh, it really is more of helping our owners track their progress and use analytics to do that, right? Unfortunately, it's not a skill that's really taught to any great extent in, in pharmacy schools. Uh, how to read pri- uh, profit loss statements, uh, balance sheets, determine financial ratios, know how much payroll costs that they should be incurring, what kind of inventory they should be keeping, uh, how they compare to other pharmacies um, in a lot of these regards. So th- that's what we try to uh, do with, with CPMS. And that's kind of our, 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 our core purpose is to make sure that they have a very good understanding of other financial reports a lot of our clients, you know, they have very capable accountants. And if they don't, we do recommend that they do find one because uh, they're invaluable uh, to be able to take the receipts and put them in such a way uh, that the reporting makes sense. And that's that's kind of where we take over uh, once the accountant has done their, their bit of business is we break those uh, financial statements down for them and say, okay, these let, let's look at uh, groups of expenses together and let's compare those expenses to... Some of the better players in the market. See where you stack up. See where you might be falling short. See what areas that you might uh, need improvement on. So, uh, at the at the crux of it, it's it's data that we really want to go through with with our clients, and they understand that they have access to data, but they don't always understand how to interpret the data. And it's good to have somebody else that can really uh, look at it with them and give them some assurances of what they're doing well and what they what they might need to work on.
1: You know what? What strikes me as being super important is we may have touched this on the last time you were with us, but you were a member of our clinical services team for a long time. You had a tremendous amount of experience in the pharmacy world, um, most notably from an operational slash financial capacity. So, you know, Seb may have alluded to this in, in in prior episodes as well. You're you're one of the very few that comes from a pharmacy background, but then also educational background with an MBA um, so you possess a tremendous amount of knowledge when it comes from the creation of looking at opportunities the establishment of forging a business plan and the implementation of a business plan to to seek out you know potential financial financial benefit so as a coach you you obviously have a tremendous amount of knowledge not only from your personal experience but almost this slash consultant and the ability to work with a lot of data to your point you know you said a lot of it is focused around data but you're working with tons and tons of pharmacies so you see all ends of the spectrum you see businesses that are extremely profitable that are operationally sound you see businesses that are starting up that are looking to expand on specific opportunities and are looking to to basically hit the ground running and and you're working with them to create that business plan that could be used as a launchpad for success. So I guess today what we would love to talk about is some of the major considerations when trying to capitalize on an opportunity or revenue growth and how you come in and provide that financial assistance and guidance and just overall
0: sound business mind to the overall process. Yeah. Yeah. You brought up some interesting points there, Mike um it's it's interesting to see the dynamics of the different pharmacies we work with uh as you mentioned we we have uh pharmacies that have been barely open you know a year that are really just trying to get their feet under them and you know right now they're they're not turning a profit and is that something that they should be worried about uh but as we help them realize when they might get the break even point those these kind of things they're they they they're a lot more optimistic on the way things are going uh, and kind of the things that we, we remind them are when we talk about, uh, you know, mark, best marketing practices and, and, and patient follow-ups and these kind of things, and they see it in numbers, they, and it inspires them to keep going. Um, so, so we have that end of the spectrum where, you know, the, these people are new. They realize that they, they haven't got to where they want to be yet, but it's, it's helping them realize how far away that they are or how close they are uh, would be more accurate. Uh, and it kind of inspires them to keep going. And on the other hand, we have these these larger pharmacies that are doing quite well a lot of times. And I always kind of like to, to start the call with, with uh, you know, how, how do you feel like your month was? And a lot of them say, well, it was okay, I think. Uh, and then we go over the numbers together and they get really excited uh, on on the areas of the business that, that have improved because they, they've concentrated on that and they have a way of tracking it and, and, and seeing the improvement um so i'm glad you brought that up mike because that even though that people um feel like they're doing well unless they're they're really measuring it they're they're, they can't put that into context they can't share it with their their staff they can't share it with their their spouses when they go home you know on how well we're doing and you know there's there's ups and downs in the market uh you know last, last year taught us a lot of that uh some of them are expected and some of them are not but when you're when you're in the pharmacy by yourself all you see is what's around you and you don't have a really good grasp of is, is what's affecting me affecting everybody else. And we have the luxury of being able to see that and giving that peace of mind. Hey, this is the expectation that we would have had during this time period. This is how other people reacted and, and this is what your financials said. So even if the financials might have been down for that particular month, they were down for everybody. Uh, and it kind of lets people know, hey, I didn't, I wasn't doing anything that was that poor. Uh, but just to, to speak to your other part about the, this whole notion of building the business plan, question I get a lot. So one, one of the things that I get before uh, I start working with, with members individual is, hey, can you kind of help them work through assessing the need and, you know, when, when might I look at, see a return on investment? Uh, what, what kind of cash outlay might there be? Those are the kind of questions that I generally get before we bring a client on and it leads me to ask them a series of leading questions to find out, you know, have they done their homework to make sure that, hey, this is going to be a profitable business, this is going to be a profitable area or whatever. So for us, it always kind of starts with that market research. I, I, I ask those probing questions, uh, you know, for somebody who's brand new, have you, have you assessed the need? And just because I, I say this is for new pharmacies, this should be something you're doing with established pharmacies, right? Because assessing the need changes. New practitioners enter the market. Are you tracking that kind of thing? Um, so, but speaking in, in respect to those new people, when I say have you assessed the need, have you actually gone out and spoken to those doctors even before you even open your business? Do you have their buy-in? Because you know you want to hit the ground running with at least you know two or three or more key prescribers that's going to send you that new, uh, amount of that new flux of business. And then you can grow organically beyond that through patient referrals, through, uh, you know, colleague interactions and that kind of thing. So my, my question generally is, uh, on the market research, cause this is going to be part of the business plan. This is all the stuff that we're going to write in. Um, you know, have you got the buy-in from the prescribers? How many do you have? What are their specialties? You know, uh, have you assessed the kind of things that you feel like that you would be really good at compounding just to find out that nobody in your area is interested in that type of compounding. You completely have to go a different direction. For example, you, you know, you, you were convinced yourself that you wanted to just do BHRT and you're going to help those folks out. And then you realize that either the doctors, uh, you know, don't write BHRT in your area, or there's, there's so much competition in the area that it leaves very little for you. But then you realize, Hey, there's a need for a vet. Nobody's doing it. Right. And so you kind of go after that that business. So getting out there and assessing the need before you build the business, I think is really, really important. But also the the other things about the the market dynamics, you know, median household income. Um, I always say that, hey, if you assess this for the area that you're looking at, uh, because quite frankly, we're still looking at it largely a cash business. Right. So people need to have the disposable income to be able to afford what it is you're going to offer. Uh, And right along with that is what's the population, right? It's great if you have a median household income of over $75,000 a year, closer to $100,000 a year. But if you only have a very small population, then you're going to exhaust that population quite quickly. And if that's the case, what is your reach? How else do you plan on getting your product to uh, your patients? Are you going to do mail order? Are you going to maybe even uh, leave your area or even leave your state because you don't have the population and the economics to support it? um and kind of that last that last market research piece again that kind of already alluded to is who else is in your area right um you know what's your competition what's so kind of get a feel for is the market saturated or not so that's as far as building the business plan mike that's where i like to start
2: i guess as as a pharmacist do you help develop tools to like you're asking questions what other specific tools that they can pick up and use to discover this information? Um, and Is CPMS kind of got a, a, a sort of like, here, here's where we can do it, and the research pieces are, are a little bit easier, because that's, that's effectively what people find difficult about the market research is, I don't have time, I don't know where to look, I don't have an MBA, Like, what are you doing to me? So, well, well, if
0: they haven't opened yet, then they should certainly have the time. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you're right. Then, then, then it's a little bit more difficult. You know, years ago, when even when I first started this, the, the data wasn't always readily available. But you know, thanks to uh, to Google and and a lot of uh, just websites that are out there, this ad, this data is actually pretty easy. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a site called CityData.com. A lot of these numbers, you, you know, you can get the population density, you can get median household income, you can get educational background. You can really build a lot of what you have on the, on the discipline just around that as far as re, finding out well, which doctors in your area, the one that I use for forever and ever was called Healthgrades.com. Basically put in a zip code and it will uh, tell you all the doctors in the area. and You can specify uh, areas of practice, OBGYN, vet, whatever it is. So this, this stuff is readily available. Um, you know, you, people used to pay for this data. They they would, find some kind of third party that's harvested data and, and they would buy it from them. The problem is, and people still do. And all the time I get people that have done that that says this data is old and you know it's, it's not relevant anymore. Um, and it's because people just don't update it that often. So for, for as far as I'm concerned, just doing the manual work uh, using the internet and Google and all of these other uh, sites, I, I, I think it's a lot easier than you would think.
2: And that, that kind of leads into why CPMS is such a good coach because, you know, relevant, updated, timely information, and then finding that information is, yeah, it's so crucial. So, um, I, I, another quick question, do you have a population number? Because this is like something you said, like, I, have had people say, I'm going to open a pharmacy in my hometown. And I'm like, well, how big is your hometown? They're like 5,000 people. They're going to be selling like horse feed and uh, you know dog toys because you're not going to make it on pharmacy compounding in that side. Right. Is there a tipping point?
0: Well, and and I'll and, I'm, and I'll, quantify, I'll qualify that by saying what what would I feel comfortable as far as a, a population number going? Because I do have people that are in relatively small markets. You know, they 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 are in an area that treats that has only twenty or thirty thousand people in it. But they get a lot of business because they've got buy-in from all the doctors, and that's, so that's all the population that they need. I, I think the question you're asking um, is n- not going into a pharmacy, having those kind of relationships already built and those kind of assurances that you're going to get that, those, those, those numbers, What, how big of an area do you think you should have for the average pharmacy to do well without, again, having all of those, those, those priors? Um, I generally see about a hundred thousand uh, hundred a population about a hundred thousand uh, leads to success more often than not okay and that doesn't necessarily mean you just have to go out and find communities with a hundred thousand no that just that simply means that if you go and find a community with three hundred thousand people it generally will support three pharmacies without much problem right now again if you if you go and look at the market and say okay I couldn't find one for a hundred thousand so I don't open or you know, I, I'm going to fail in this area. Again, that's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, it just means you might have to work a little harder to make sure you're getting more doctors in the buy-in, okay? But just kind of opening up an area, assessing, trying to assess, well, is there any competition here? It seems like the population base is big enough to support me, even though I don't have the connect contacts yet. I'm going to look in this area. That That's kind of the way I would approach that.
2: And, and it's not necessarily a population that's, Right in the area, but it could be like a reach population so right right like right. the surrounding area and exactly
0: if you plan on doing a lot of if you've got extended delivery services or you know mail order you know those kind of things, then your, your population center just got much bigger. Yeah
2: So I guess that kind of leads on to the next one. Um, like you, you you were talking about finding the providers and getting that information um, and you said like finding what's relevant to them, how, what would be one of the kind of like best recommendations that you have off the t- top to say establishing those relationships if you don't have them, because that's a tricky one for most pharmacists. Like, we're comfortable behind the counter talking to patients, but hey, right. put us in a room full of doctors, and we're like at the at the salad bar eating carrots.
0: Right. You know, I get I get the opportunity to speak with a lot of pharmacists, uh, owners at at conferences and and students that are coming up and whatever. And, you know, we, 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 we tend to all have one thing in common as pharmacists is we're very analytically inclined, right? We, and we're, a lot of us are very good at what we do as far as knowing right drug, right person, uh, right, right dosage, that kind of thing, right? And these are very concrete ideals, right? It, it's, you know, it, there's not a whole lot of black and white here. So whenever you start to, to question these people about, Hey, you know, let's talk about marketing and marketing is anything but that, right? Yeah, marketing. And, you know, Mike Alicio can certainly, uh, you know, uh, uh, agree with this and with his background in sales, um, there's gonna, there's a high failure rate with, with marketing and that's okay. Right. Um, it's, it's having that mentality to go out there and, and promote your, your, your products, your services and whatnot. In the face of failure, because not everybody's gonna buy in, right? But the the people that do can be some of your better prescribers. So unfortunately, what what I found, and I certainly and, and I always hate to, to mention this with a very broad brush, is pharmacists inherently aren't great at this. I would say most pharmacists are inherently not great at this. Okay. There are exceptions. There's there's some pharmacies that are pharmacists exceptionally good about going out and talking to doctors and and selling the relationship and that kind of thing, in addition to be very therapeutically inclined. Uh, But, you know, when you look at most pharmacists, it's something they struggle with. So I always say, hey, when you're doing compounding, it's not like retail. You can't just build it, turn on the lights, open the door, and hopefully people start stampeding any pharmacy. It's not going to happen, right? In the retail world, it might, if the demand is such that, they just don't have enough pharmacies and, you know, you're going to get casual foot traffic and Hey, there's a pharmacy. Let's stop in. It's close to my house, it's close to my place of business. It's not how compounding generally works. It's a referral business. You have to go out there and ask somebody to send you patients versus patients just inherently knowing to go to you. So I always try to assess what is the level of comfort you have in going out there and, you know, shaking hands and getting past gatekeepers and making cold calls and, um, because in and, and what is your sense if eight out of ten of them say we're not interested, go away. Right? Um, a, a salesperson will say, "Hey, I got a twenty. I got two new patients," and the pharmacist will say, "I failed eight times." It's really a class half of classes have full glasses have the kind of mentality. And if that's not how you're built, where you can manage that, and you feel like I, I'm just not a marketer, you have to find somebody who is. Right? Um, you know. And, again I, I firmly believe that people that get it, entrepreneurs that open their own business they 're very passionate about what they do and, and passion can can spill over into sales um, so I honestly think that nobody can sell it like you can uh, whenever you but that means you have to have the opportunity for somebody to listen so pharmacists are really good once people will listen to them, but it 's getting past that first level of do, how do I get in touch with those, those key members? And what is my success ratio doing that? If, you, if you, that is what your rate limiting step is, you need to bring in somebody to help you. And marketers and, and salespeople are really good about doing that, they just have the mentality for it. So, Brian, let's talk about some of those intangibles
1: because you can look at data all day, you can have a very good analytical mind, you can have a very sound business plan, know where there's a market opportunity. So, from your experience, what have some of the better entrepreneurs that are clients of yours, you know, what are some of the traits that make them stand apart? You mentioned hiring or acquiring talent and, and knowing what to do in a specific area that they don't deem themselves as being an expert. I think it's not creating a stereotype, and I don't mean to come across that way, but most individuals that went to pharmacy school didn't really focus on marketing um if they didn't do their mba they they really don't have a good sense of they might be smart enough to identify an opportunity to know how to to attack it but let's be honest no one's necessarily trained in the art of creating creative content um being face to face being an amazing salesperson or or truly navigating those conversations so what are, what are some of those traits that a good entrepreneur in the pharmacy world would do to look outside of their own bubble and say, look, I, this is where I need help. This is where I need, you know, boots on the ground to, to make this plan an actual reality.
0: Mm. So, you know, we mentioned just, just the one part of that, which is actually going out and, and touching the prescriber and making sure that you got the right person in the right seat to be able to do that, right? But it goes so far beyond that. And I had the pleasure of working with just a lot of really bright minds that are clients, um, and they're, they're all great therapeutic minds. And, but, and you say what, what makes one necessarily stand apart from another? I, I really think it's the... the the pharmacist that understands what their limitations are and just to say, you know what, I am good at doing the patient consults, and I am good at coming up with ideas. I'm just not good at selling. So the the pharmacies that do really well are going to invest in the right people. And when I say invest, that does mean money. I mean, you do have to pay these people to do that. And I'm not saying you necessarily have to hire a full-time marketer. Some do. When I say marketer, that's kind of the brains behind the sales effort. Uh, that's not necessarily the person going out and shaking hands and making the contacts. It's the person that's in charge of, Hey, do we have the, the, the right branding in place? Uh, Are we doing the right uh, enough digital marketing? Are we doing, how's our social media? Uh, How's our website? Um, You know, what kind of, um, you know, uh, flyer distributions are we going to do? What kind of community projects are we going to do? That's a lot for a pharmacist to, to try to keep up with. Right, and do all the therapeutics and come up with the formulations and make sure that the right drug is the right patient all the time. And what I, what I find, the, the, the most successful pharmacies have hired the right people to do those for them, taking that part off their plate. Now, there's a lot of ways you can go about doing this. You can go about and hire a full-time internal person, right? maybe a college grad or whatever that has a marketing background. Uh, hopefully, they're also good in sales, so maybe they can out, go out and do the sales Part of what you're what you're offering, or you might have to actually find somebody else that does that. But because you might find somebody who's really good at creating content, just not really good at, about going out and shaking hands. So knowing what you're getting when you hire these people, I think they're important. So a lot of I've had people hire them right out of college, and a lot of these people really do a phenomenal job of creating content. And if you bring them in house, you're paying them generally a full time salary, right? It can be quite expensive. So that's that's one option. Um, and hopefully you find the right person the first time it doesn't always happen but hopefully you do another option would be to uh, basically uh, contract this portion of your business now right you can you can contract somebody to just do your digital marketing and you get you give them uh, permission to do all of your website design your social media posts uh, all of those kind of digital outreaches and they're, they're not in-house you know they're, they're working on your projects and they're working on everybody else's projects and they're working on a a broad amount of things, right? Again, all of these different touch points that, that are possible with digital marketing, they're doing it all the it. So you're kind of buying a one-stop shop, but they're, you're not hiring them internally. That's going to be less expensive. It's going to be expensive, but less so than hiring a $50,000, $60,000 employee a year. And then you're getting the benefit of one employee's ideas. Whereas if you go to an agency, you might pay them twenty-five dollars or $30,000 for that. Which is, again, a big number, but you know what? You're, you're getting usually a team of people working on your stuff, and they're not working full-time for you. Or you might be able to just a la carte this, and I do have one, one client in particular This is exceptionally well. You, you can go to some of these uh, marketing uh, websites and hire somebody to do a specific task. I just want them to do my website design. You pay them a couple thousand dollars right? I just need them to be in charge of my blog and you pay them a certain amount, right? That's on your website. I just need them to manage my uh, social media posts that are going to go out two to three times a week. And they're just paying them for that, right? That's much less expensive, but you're only getting a piece. But I have a person that actually likes that because he, he tries to find somebody who has an expertise in all of these different things. And you and a lot of these, uh, these these sites are are just available and uh, Fiber. I, I'm trying to think of some of the ones that are out mm-hmm. there. That's the one that comes to mind um, that are out there. And you can just get them to do specific tasks. I got some people that are doing uh, where they're they're taping video segments. So they just hired somebody to come in and take video segments, and they're going to use those for their social media and their website and all of this. So, um, but under the saying all of that, uh, kind of go, going back to your original question, Mike, um, the the pharmacies that do the best. Especially, uh, you know, in in times when doctors might not be as available, and you have to concentrate your effort, efforts otherwise, maybe more patient-centric, patient uh, focus on, on your marketing message. These pharmacies have done exceptionally well in in the face of even, even uncertain economic conditions. So, so. there is there is one thing that completely
1: um, my my brain started drifting away as you were speaking, not because I, I was ready to ask my next question, but something that I also wanted to bring as a consideration. And by the way, um, you mentioned a website called Fiverr, www.fiverr.com. Um, Fiverr is amazing for trying to find freelance creative creative specialists. And you, it, basically, they, they do absolutely everything. It's an amazing website to be connected with an expert anywhere in the world. And relatively low cost. I think that's probably the right. biggest thing that Fiverr truly focuses on is that if you need something specific a la carte, they do they do amazing work whether it's creating logos or branding or it could be absolutely anything in a marketing or creative space. Fiverr does a great job and obviously we have no uh, tie or alliance to fiverr right. they're <laughs> yeah, much larger uh,
0: websites you hear we don't have any affiliation with yeah. no but it's
1: a, it's a great leave behind and a great nugget for our listeners is that if you don't know where to start and you are looking for an expert in one specific domain definitely use something like fiverr it's a great starting point um but where my brain was going in in your answer was thinking about also hiring somebody and, and i don't want to create that statement and make that statement with the illusion that this is all you need to do. You bring on the talent, you, you acquire that perfect person, you you throw a whack kind of money at it and the problem's going to go away. And it's great. You also mentioned the ability to be face-to-face. And um, and then I also think of the pharmacist as an entrepreneur focusing on formulations and therapeutics, et cetera. The, the biggest gap that I I also see, and maybe you can dig down on this a bit more is the fact that, you need to be integrated as an owner and as an entrepreneur and and as a pharmacist in the creation of your messaging that will be delivered in a face-to-face manner. So despite having amazing websites an amazing social media presence, great digital content or, or tangible content, if some of the messaging is not focused on some of the main formulations or benefits, regardless of the disease state, then you're, you're probably missing the mark. And I don't, this is my point of view and I'm gonna ask you to comment on it. So what is the synergy behind everything behind the scenes that needs to happen to make sure that people are doing the right things, getting the right experts, creating the right plans, etc.? But if you're gonna go speak to a pediatrician, if you're gonna go speak to a dermatologist, don't go to them with seven formulas because you're gonna inundate that practitioner as well. So how important is identifying those key messages, those key formulations that can move the dial, that could potentially result in a positive patient outcome that you know will be the lowest hanging fruit, and you can use that as a door opener as well. So how important is all this when, I would say, the, the overall implementation of the plan rather than the creation of the plan?
0: Right, and, and I think you made a good point that you, you started to, to mention, and, and I think you, it was well-received. Is you can't just subcontract this away. You know you can't just you know hire somebody and say okay now I don't have to worry about marketing anymore. I, I hired a marketing company. They're gonna they're really good about creating um, something that's visually appropriate, visually appealing, getting you in front of the right people using the right channels. This is what they're they're really really good at. They're not pharmacists. They don't have access to know what formulations you want to market. Which formulations that you think are are going to really speak to the doctors in your area, so they you they need your input on a, a a very much an ongoing basis. You know whether you're not. Let's just say you brought in a marketer uh, that you hired uh, and they're they're full time with you. I would say that if you're not spending at least eight hours a week with them, uh, helping them design the content, they're going to make it visually appealing, right? They're going to put it in the right place for the right people to see it. They don't know what it is, though. They don't know what it is that, that you want to, to focus on. Hey, because you have, you have access to, um, you know, speaking with the doctors. Hey, the doctors are asking for this type of formulation, right? So you have to be uh, very uh, very much an integral part of, of knowing the products and the services the focus on and being able to explain to the marketing team, whether they're in-house or, or contracted, why this is important to your target audience, right? So your your job certainly doesn't stop with hiring a $30,000 uh, marketing company, right? Uh, if I hired somebody with $30,000, I'm gonna wanna know everything that they're doing, especially if they're not in-house, where I can watch them, right? So I wanna be an integral part. And that means uh, finding time to to step away from the operational part and being more the owner and the, and the um, strategic manager in all of this. So you're giving up a lot of time, but nobody said that being an owner was gonna be easy, right?
2: <laughs> well, I, okay, and I, I'm gonna take a slightly different tack because I've been listening to this and we're talking about social media and we're talking about marketing. Um, this is a perfect opportunity. I am gonna challenge everyone who's listening. I want you to go and Google your pharmacy. I want you to look at your web presence. And then I want you to Google your competition. Um, I think you will see there's either a room for improvement for either side of the equation. um, But also you need to see your digital and social media preference and presence because I am telling you right now, I've actually had a number of conversations with people. And the first thing that everyone says is if I make a recommendation, they're like, oh, what's their website? Oh, are they on social? Where do I find them on Facebook? Is there a way to contact them? it's turned into like it used to be like Instagram or Twitter or whoever. It's now every single person is carrying a phone. It's the very first thing that they do is they look for the website, they look for recommendations and they look at your presence. If you have a poor presence or an ineffective presence, they will go on to the next one on the list and the next, and your competition is marketing against you. So please, that's the first challenge is go look at your digital presence. And if it's weak, You need to contact Brian. I'm just saying that out loud. All right, (laughs) you guys can continue talking because everything is probably the biggest problem today in pharmacy. Everyone's focusing on the business operations and they are failing at the digital presence. It's awful. I'm sorry, I gotta just say it out loud.
0: No, and and I'm glad you did because actually that applies to uh, every industry and that's not exclusive to us, right? You know, it's Friday night and I feel like Mexican food, you know, and I want to try a place I haven't tried, but I'm not going to go to my, my, my standby that I know is good. I want to try somebody new. Oh, I heard about this one. What do we do? We Google the website. Yeah. I like their website better than this other Mexican restaurant. I'm going to go to this one. I know nothing of the food.
2: Yeah. What, what does it look like? Did it pop when I brought it up? On my cell phone. Everyone's got a cell phone. It, it's If you are not digitally present, you are – you're you dinosaur, you're dead, you're, 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 you're rubble, dust. It's terrible. Right, no, I agree. By the way, I and just to tell you, and this is like something you probably don't know, um, every single clinical services call now, I will actually go and look at the pharmacy. I'll see if they have a digital presence now. I've just turned into that habit. I just want to see who I'm talking to. I want to see if I can see the team. I want to mm-hmm. see what the pharmacy is doing. I want to see if they have a, a, any sort of information there.
1: So Brian, to kind of, I don't want to, fast forward over some very integral parts that obviously need to happen when you are implementing the proper business plan, expanding on an opportunity. Um, but let's talk about the overall importance of retaining your current patient base and making sure that you have an adequate plan for follow-up as well as you know, an outbound approach to coverage and to ensure that the patients that are within your ecosystem are well taken care of, that there's compliance, in regards to the drugs that they are taking as well, to see whether or not there's a, a positive patient outcome. But when we had a chance to sit down with Bobby Medes a couple episodes ago, we dedicated a whole conversation around the implementation of a CRM and truly having a great strategy around patient follow-up. How important is that, especially right now, um, in the current business climate and, and what you've seen with your overall clients as
0: well? Yeah, this, uh, that, that's actually a very big point that we've been discussing lately. Um, you, you know, it, I'll ask people what is the most difficult part about the business and they, and they all agree is getting the doctor to write the prescriptions, right? Finding new doctors or getting a doctor to expand upon what they're already writing. And um, by far, the, that's, that's the most difficult step. And, and I always challenge them to say, okay, if you can get past that, if, if you get the doctor to write a prescription, and for example, whether it be uh, hormones or lodos and trexone or your uh, nose and throat or, or vet, or a lot of these things that have the potential to have refills um, where you might expect another patient encounter, um, how are you following up with that patient? Because you, you did the hard part. You got the doctor to write the script. They put the three refills, the six refills on them, uh, and now they just live in your computer. Right? How much business are you losing out on because it's sitting in your computer and you've already done the hardest step? So that leads down what Bobby was talking about with uh, you know, use of CRMs uh, or I'll, I'll, I'll just speak more broadly and say any kind of patient follow-up program. Um, now historically, what we suggested people do is, hey, you know, make, make some kind of notation in Outlook or in spreadsheets or whatever. And find those patients that came to you, especially the first time. That way, you can give them a follow-up call, maybe in a week, or you know, assess how they're doing, their compliance, or whatever. Try to track and see when their refill might be uh, due, and you can pull this data a lot of times out of your, your your operating system, and then pick up the phone and call these folks, right? And try to solicit for, hey, you you know, your doctor wrote for this, and he wants you to be on this schedule, and we show the refills due. Would you like to just go ahead and fill it? That takes an extraordinary amount of time to be able to do that. Not saying it was not worth the time because people that did do it and did it effectively, they did see their refill numbers go up, right? Because they're out there soliciting for that business. But there's gotta be a better way, right? There's gotta be an easier way to do that. And here lately, and I would say over the last year or so, we've really seen a lot of platforms that have become available that helps you with this. Uh, again, I don't promote any particular brand, but I, I do have some examples that, I, uh, that people have used. Um, a simple texting platform, especially one that has a two-way system where you can enter the patient's uh, name and phone number and, and simply ask them whenever they drop up prescriptions, hey, is it okay if we contact you via text? Um, it's so easy for them. Uh, to let them know that the prescriptions ready, you know, ask them if they're ready for the refill or whatever. So uh, I have a lot of people using different platforms, probably the most common is a platform called And And uh, you know, for like a hundred bucks a month, they can have a platform where they can make those reach outs to the patient. And a lot of these have a scheduling function. Somebody drops off the prescription and you just put it in there. Okay, I've got this patient's name, their phone number. And in a week I'm going to send them a blast just to say, Hey, just checking on you. Uh, call us if you have any questions, and then I can schedule it because I know it's due in thirty days. And on day twenty-six, I'll, I'll send them a, another text that says, "Hey, are you ready for your refill?" Because I can't help but to think that a lot of these patients are sitting there with their uh, almost empty prescription bottles and say, "I need to call the pharmacy," and they just forget. Right? How many opportunities are you missing out because somebody just keeps forgetting, and then the non-compliance sets in? But all of a sudden, if they just pick up the phone and says, would you like us to refill your prescription? All they hit is yes. Oh yeah, now I don't have to worry about finding the phone number, picking it up and calling the pharmacy, right? I just told them that I need it. How many, new, how many refills are you going to pick up just by doing that? And how many do you need to be able to justify $100 a month? Not many. <laughs> so instead of having this big laundry list of all these people that you have to call uh, you know, to check to see if they need a refill, how many of the, you can eliminate uh, making a manual phone call by just sending out an automated text uh, for them to be able to respond to. So I have a lot of people that are using these, and you can really see a jump in the numbers. And this is the exciting part of the metrics that we get to measure. They say, hey, you didn't weren't doing this before, now you are. What is going on? Oh, We started a patient follow-up program, and this is how we're doing it. So a, a, pro, a program like that is pretty simple. There's other programs that can tie in more of an email service. Um, And even maybe even give a payment platform that when, you know, when patient says, yes, I want the refill. And you say, great, here's, you know, you can in your credit card information. We'll have it paid for you. We'll mail it out. There's platforms that exist like this. I believe podium is one of those I'm doing some research on. Um, so actually my objective right now, it's, it's timely that you asked Mike is I'm I'm trying to put together a bunch of these different types of packages and different price points and finding people that have used them to be able to get testimonials and all of this. But I can, I, Unequivocally, say the people that use these platforms that are doing a a robust patient follow up program are doing better than the people that don't. I mean, it just it just shows up in the numbers.
2: I think it's a really funny kind of uh, dynamic because we've got so many people uh, who are who are being so cutting edge in their practice, and now is an opportunity to move into cutting edge technology paired with that. Business piece, and so I, I kind of I'm excited because I'm kind of excited to see what you bring to the table for these for all of these pharmacies, and literally dragging us from kicking and screaming from the 1970s and phone calls and fax machines into the t- 21st century where we're going to be like everything's digital and effortless, and honestly more efficient. It's so more such so much more efficient. You can spend the time actually doing the job that you you're you're intending your staff to do. So exciting times! Exciting times!
0: And just my last little uh insight to that is the you mentioned efficiency and that's really what it is because before that a lot of people were using these platforms and we identified the need and, and tried to convince people, hey, if you call people and solicit for these refills and you get more, you'll get more business. Yeah, but I don't have time to do it and I don't want to hire somebody, right? So now if the platform exists to where the platform does 90% of the work, all you have to have is somebody enter the data and the phone number and then you know. Click to say when it goes out, you get one person to do that and they can enter literally hundreds of patients a day, right? <laughs> if you need to. Uh, so it really, and again, $100 a month, how many new prescriptions do you have to, to bring in uh, or, or, or refills you wouldn't have gotten to be able to justify that cost? You can do the same uh, calculation with a, a, a $13 or $14 an hour employee. Right, eight hours a day. How many yeses that you wouldn't have got otherwise do you need to be able to pay for this person? And the amount of yeses that you get almost always is much, much larger than your the cost to, to be able to, to do these services. So
2: I'm pretty sure with these platforms too, there's probably some way that you can actually have an opt in by the patient with either a click of a button or they can enter their information directly on their phone. Like here, upload this app and you can actually and it's they're the ones doing the work so you can actually once you've got it rolling you don't mm-hmm. have to have someone paid to do it the patients yeah. are doing it automatically so it's yeah and a
0: lot of these platforms that you can integrate with your um your website right mm-hmm. and so yeah i mean I, I i go on websites now and you see this little pop up in the corner that says can i help you with something text or type in your message these are the platforms that are utilizing this kind of technology they just drop into these onto these systems and it shows up at the pharmacy hey this patient has this question right it's the same platform that you're using for your patient follow-up that <laughs> initial outreach with so it works really well
2: <laughs> and, and it's it's it, it, as we've already mentioned it's becoming the norm and the standard and everyone like from grandparents to 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 pediatrics are all walking around with phones so might as well yeah. might as well get with the times Yep. Um, I, am sure that there's a lot more we could continue talking about. Um, and I just w- want to make sure that we're covering everything that you want to talk about, Brian, is there, is there any final closing comments that you have for our listeners today?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of mentioned at the onset what it, what our core objective is to make sure that everybody has this fundamental understanding of financial analysis or whatever. And our department has worked really hard, uh, with, with our new member engagement to be able to. Put out some webinars that cover a lot of this stuff, but having it on a webinar where somebody is actually just watching you talk about financial analysis, quite frankly, is not very uh, entertaining. Uh, So for for those people that are interested in learning a little bit more, they can certainly reach out to me. There's no cost for them to do so. uh, I'll be happy to speak with anybody with these introductory uh, uh, topics on understanding financial analysis. I, I will give up. Part of my time to be able to do that, uh, and then from there, if they if they're interested in, hey, I really want somebody to track these analytics for me. We've always talked about having a coach relationship, uh, and that'd be fantastic. Uh, but it, it's it's my objective that every new client or every new member that, that chooses to join PCCA has some fundamental understanding of of, of these topics. Uh, so to that end, we're we're putting together some video series. Me and Aaron Michael. Uh, that are out there that that people can download and for free, and uh, this is just part of your offering. But again, I just kind of want to make sure that I, people understand that I'm. Uh, this is a resource that's available. Um, you know, at least on a one-time basis, if, if you're so inclined, and then if you want to take it beyond that, we'll be happy to talk about that as well.
1: Yeah. So perfect segue, Brian, because I know you mentioned contacting you in regards to those that are PCCA members through the members-only website. If you do click on the account tab. There is a CPMS link to get a hold of you guys. Is that correct?
0: Uh, that's my understanding. Yes, Mike. Yep. Yeah. So it's probably
1: the easiest way. We just want to streamline it for those that are members that do have access to tapping into your business brain and and acquiring your excellence as becoming a coach. That is the easiest way to do it without divulging your personal
0: email address, which we will not do. <laughs> we could. It's up to you. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, I'm generally okay with that. Uh, bprescott at pccarx.com. Uh, well, there you go. I let you say it. I uh, let me say it, right? there. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's absolutely fine. That's how most, even my clients, that's how they reach out to me because they understand my job is to be on the phone all the time. So having the, a, a phone back and forth it can be uh, trying to connect can be, can be quite difficult sometimes. So they'll send me emails. Hey, I, this came up. Do you have an opinion? Um, so, you know, I, I certainly don't mind helping Members, where I can on that. If it turns into where they're 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 doing that on a regular basis, is then we'll talk about maybe having a ongoing coaching relationship going, uh, so I can help them uh, be more connected to their pharmacy. I, I think the um,
1: what strikes me as being so interesting about this episode specifically is like we're condensing everything within forty to forty five minutes. There's years upon years of curriculum from an educational perspective that is dedicated to so much of these topics and and really what this is is designed around finding the appropriate assistance and guidance and and seeking out someone of your level to to, to add that further guidance to individuals that need that help because being an expert is extremely difficult so we we want to do it justice by giving people guidance and a foundational building block in terms of what to do next but the reality is seek the help um seek the guidance of those that, that have the expertise in this domain and and ensure that you're implementing a very sound plan with the desired outcomes that can make an impact. I think both patient wise and financially. So I don't know if that encapsulates everything that you were trying to say as well, but whenever you're on here, Brian, it's it's a pleasure because you possess so much different knowledge that most individuals do not have. And it's it definitely loaded with a whole bunch of takeaways in terms of what to do next. So just thanks again for, for doing this with us, because it, it does open the eyes of a lot of business owners out there. My pleasure, guys. Well, it was great seeing you, Brian. Thanks so much for coming back onto your mortar and pestle. And thanks again to our listeners out there for tuning in to this week's episode. As always, to follow us along on social media, even though you may have heard that a couple times throughout this episode. Um, connecting through us through Facebook, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram is is definitely an easy thing to do to always stay up to date in terms of what we're up to as well. And if you found this episode for the first time, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you do not miss our releases every two weeks. Um, Until next time, thanks again for listening. This is Mike Delisio and we'll talk to you soon.